What is up, everybody? Welcome to another amazing episode of The Evening Alpha. I'm your host, Todd Wanish, 26-year veteran, comics, animation, now Web3, startups. It's been kind of a wild ride. Uh, you know, one day one day I'll get, the, get a break, but, you know, my hair keeps getting grayer, so I guess it's a good thing. Um, anyway, uh, uh, if you're just joining us, if this is a brand new to you, you've never seen this before, and you're like, what the heck is this? I've been, I've seen a ton of interview shows. This is probably trash. No, it is not. And I will tell you why, because we are unlike any other, uh, AMA or interview show that's out there. Um, honestly, a lot of interview shows, there's, there's some good questions out there, but, but what we find to be sort of our, our magic formula is that we actually enjoy having conversations with people. So, uh, this is. Uh, really a coffee talk. It's an entrepreneur talk. It's a founder talk. And what we try to do is we have a conversation with amazing people in the Web3 space, um, artists and creatives and entrepreneurs and founders. And we really uh, do our best to, to get to a point where you feel like you actually know the person uh, that you uh, are going to support, right? A lot of times, um, especially in Web3, all you have to go on is a sales page or a bio, uh, you know, so a lot of times people are anonymous. Um, we want to get past that, open that veil up and, and really, uh, really um, get you to know the people behind the space, the people that are involved, because there's some amazingly incredible people, talented people. Um, and we find that, uh, you know, it really separates, uh, you know, it can really separate projects. So uh, that is what we do here. And tonight I have a, I, I am excited. I have a very special guest. Um, uh, I have, uh, Agnes Bargoska, Garboska. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Uh, yeah. Garboska. It's so I got to say, cause this is a comic thing. Um, one of the, one of the, uh, it's a, one of the most amazing things with comics is that you get to know the artists because you get to recognize their name. One of the small curses, I have a last name Wanish, so I understand this. One of the small curses on comics is that you, everyone mispronounces your name forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got used to it early on. Especially with a longer Polish last name, it's very common to mispronounce. So I'm like, eh, it is what it is now. I mispronounce <laughs> names all the time too. So, oh well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it's I try my best, but you know, it always it always hits you. So, so you are the founder of and the artist really of Digidorables. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Digidorables is my project. It's my baby. Um, I'm really, really excited that it's in the world now. Um, it is, of course, an NFT project. It is comic book and art theme because that's what I know. I've been in my own industry for about 17 years. I've worked for most major publishers on most major properties like DC Superhero Girls, Teen Titans Go, My Little Pony, you name it. There's a good chance I might have worked on it. And with Digidorables, I want to take all that experience and I want to give it back because there's a lot of comic book projects out there, but how many of those comic projects can actually tell you about the process, talk to you about color theory, and create together. So I really want to do a community-based storytelling project where we create the comics together, and each week we talk about it, we come up with ideas, we explain why they work, why they might not work, and together we're gonna be creating the stories. So I'm really, really excited. And it's been so much fun so far. Like the community's aspect of it is my favorite part. That's why I love like comic book conventions and stuff. So I'm like, I really like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, it's doing, bringing in the community and, and educating and um, just create, helping, having having a group kind of work on a project together. There's, there's really is a special like, I don't know. There's a special glow about it, right? Um, like, so, so how? What's your experience with coming into Web three? Like, it's because um, we, we've talked with other comic artists and, and creators, and it's not exactly. It, it can be a little difficult sometimes, right? You have the challenge of the the tech side, you know, even what is Web three and, and getting an understanding of what an NFT is and blockchain, and then there's there's also kind of like a little bit of like artistic social pressure on the other side. So did you just happen to like say screw it and jump into it? Or like, how did you kind of figure out, like, how did you, how did you go from saying, okay, traditional, you know, 11 by 17 pages to, to moving into web three and doing NFTs? Like, what was, what was that process like for you? Um, it was actually extremely difficult and it wasn't difficult because of the NFT community. It was mainly difficult because of the comics community and because of the misunderstanding on NFTs. So it actually took me over a year 
to actually get wow. into NFTs after the first time I said the word NFT and I got attacked like by my fans, by my peers. I was said that children could never look up to me again. Everyone unfollowed me, said very horrible cursive things to me, DM me very, very unpleasant things, all because I said the word NFT. And I got scared off just like many creators did. So it made my journey into NFTs very difficult because I was doing it on my own. Like all the research I was completely doing on my own because I was too afraid to even say the word NFT again after I got attacked so heavily. And I'm like, guys, but there's so many benefits for creators like the creative freedom, the ability to build within a community, royalties. Thank royalties. you. Thank you. Like digital royalties on digital art is like unheard of. And so many artists, especially like myself, have to work digitally because when you work on licensed properties, it's so much easier to do the corrections digitally, especially right. for the page rate you're getting. Surprise, surprise, comics, you don't do it because it's amazingly paid. You do it because you love it. And I've always loved comics and I don't see myself doing anything else. And no. NFTs came around and I'm like, well, why not do something differently? Why not experiment? And now this technology is a new tool for you to use. So why not? So I was doing most of the research on my own. I started following people in the NFT community on Twitter just because I was curious. I wanted to learn. And if it wasn't for Josh Blaylock finding me in a comment, Digidorbles would have not even come to life because he's like, Agnes, you're in NFTs. You're interested in them. And I'm like, wait, wait, are you? He's like, dude, I've been in blockchain for a while. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so Josh, like me and Josh came together. I told him about my idea. He told me about what he was brewing and it was just like match made in heaven. And yeah, with his help and he had the tech team behind him, which I needed to launch DigiDorbles. That's really how it finally came together. And I became very proactive on Twitter, Twitter spaces, getting to know everyone, getting to know people in NFTs, whether it was a tech side, other artists, communities, because it's so important to do the research before you even do anything. Do yep. your research. And I was 100%. doing all the research. Anything. Isn't, it, isn't it amazing? Like, I'll tell you this, like when I, so I, you know, I have a background in comics. I worked at Marvel for, for a while. I, I had a chance to work with Stanley when he was alive and, and when I came into the NFT space, I, ha I had the same thing, I, not as hard. Like I, I didn't get directly hit, right? Um, but I knew a lot of friends. I knew a lot of people that had to go through kind of like the trial by fire, which is insane and ridiculous and should never, like, it's just mind-blowingly ignorant. Of, uh, I, I, oh my God, I could tee off on that. But, but what was so interesting in contrast and I think what a lot of people in the, in the co mainstream comics kind of miss when I, when I started doing my own research, just like you did, and I started reading about it just like you did and, and following people just like you did, it was such a, such a night and day experience that I actually went into my Twitter feed and I deleted everybody. I, I took my, I took my Twitter feed and every single person that I followed minus some close personal friends, right? I got rid of all my all the people that I followed. I eliminated the entire list. I started basically, I think I had 20 people left, just again, people that I actually knew, right? Like really close personal friends. And I started purely following people in the NFT space. And my feed, I can tell you, is night and day. There's no negativity. Everyone is positive. It's all, it's all what I kind of originally dreamed Twitter could be. You know, and maybe what it was in the beginning, I don't remember at this point, but like it's positive, it's art, it's in, it's interesting articles, it's people talking about creativity and the future and and all these awesome projects that are launching and supporting one another and, you know, community aspects and all of the stuff that 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 I kind of wished that, you know, you know, kind of like just just everyone had in general, let alone comics, right? But even in comics, like back in the day in the 90s, um, when I was kind of coming up and stuff, like like that was how it was. It was open and engaging and everyone was talking about all these kind of cool creative stuff and all this stuff was going on. Um, and you wouldn't have dreamt of, of attacking anyone for anything, let alone a, a brand new, experimenting in a brand new medium. Like that's like someone yelling at you for using crayons. Yep, I lost thousands of followers. But you know what? The really cool thing is, is that 
a lot of peers, it was mostly peers and, and the fans, they still kept following me. It wasn't everyone. Like, mind you, I, I, I lost thousands, but a lot kept following me and mainly because they're curious. So like a few months ago in December, when I publicly announced I support MTs, because I want to support all creators. I can't just support comic creators or gamers. Right. I want to support everyone. So I publicly announced, hey guys, I support NFTs. And the people that followed me were really cool because slowly as Digidorbles came together, I, I started getting a few messages, most of them private, some of them still, some of them public going, hey, it's really cool that after everything you're still doing it, I'm really starting to become curious about it. So I'm hoping in like two, three years, everyone does start asking those questions because I don't think NFTs are going anywhere. I think they're going to continue evolving and growing. So I really think it's only a matter of time before it starts becoming more and more adopted. And I really am encouraging any concreters who are curious, yeah, just send me a message. I want to educate because it is a learning curve. And once you go down the rabbit hole, though, there's no going back. And I fell down that rabbit hole and I'm not coming back up. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifer. I tell everyone, I'm like, no, I'm all in, man. This is the best. I, I waited my entire life for something. I mean, this was like a date. This is like my, like Todd is a 13-year-old daydreaming about like, what life could be like in the future in the year 2000 you know like it's so amazing and and i i, I agree i I'd really do I, my my outlook is like you know i think people that are naysayers or non-believers or whatever you want to call it like th these people that just kind of attack things they don't like um i think the tide will change when when everything when when, when they don't have a choice meaning Marvel is already, they've, they're already licensing comics to companies like Vive. DC is licensing Batman. You, you, doing you can, more. Where is it? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I'm looking for something while you're talking. Oh, go for it. But like, but like, you know, DC just did the Bat Cowl launch. They're going to continue. There you go. Right. Perfect example. Exactly. And it's like comic book stuff. So That's right. Our own comics. That's awesome. DC, pay your royalties. That's right. That's right. And and once once they're kind of like kind of forced to work for a company that openly does it, then I think the title change and then they'll open up to like things like royalties. Like the royalty thing for me was like game over. Like once I realized that you could that an artist could create something and you could actually, you know, have have a stipend for the work that you create in perpetuity potentially. Um, that is a game changer. That that means that if you have if you have it within you to build a small audience and 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 grow a following and really work hard and put your work out there, um, that that you can you can build a support system way beyond a, a Kickstarter, Indiegogo, way beyond a Patreon. Like it it's it's it can be life changing, right? Yeah. And 100%. so. So how does how I'm I'm really curious. So Digidorables. So you, the artwork is phenomenal. I really love it. And and um, you know I've I've actually seen your work because I I um, I've got two kids. And so like My Little Pony and Care Bears is all over my house. So I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be awesome. So like, so how how are you thinking about structuring? Um, it's so it's what do you call the not Llama Land? It's uh, uh, Llamaville. Llamaville. How, how are you structuring Llamaville and how, how, when, when, when this goes live and people are coming in, um, how are you thinking of structuring it so that people can really participate in the, in the story building and the, in the creation part? Well, it is already live and we've already been doing it. So, um, basically I decided instead of doing one long story, which it seems like a lot of NFT con projects, they're doing like longer stories over 20 pages or like longer trades, I decided why not do short stories anywhere from six to uh. 10 pages. So that way we can tell multiple stories. And as we tell these stories, we shape Llamaville. So the first story is a, is a welcome to Llamaville story. It features a new llama coming into town, which is all that, that we, this is all me working with the community, to come up with these ideas. And basically the moment he gets into town, he does something very, very bad and destroy something very very important for the celebration of the llama queen and we are introduced to the characters to the different parts of llamaville following this character's solution very creative and wacky solution to the problem which he by accident created himself 
So the really cool thing is we follow this character to the different parts of Llamaville. So that way we are now introduced to going by the beach area, going to the residential, the town square. So we thought it'd be a really good way to introduce people to this world. And the way we started, we started with just like a little kumbaya, like, hey guys, this is what I want. I want to do an introduction to Llamaville. How are we going to do this? And then we just chatted. It was just a very open chat and ideas started coming together. I'm like, oh, that idea might work. Oh no, I don't think this will work. And I explained, I didn't just say, no, this will work or no, this won't. I explained why from a storytelling aspect, it's going to work and not work. And once we came up with that, we started breaking down the ideas and started forming it into a story that was cohesive. So that way we had our introduction. We had our growing tension up to our climax and then we had the resolution so that way we covered all the aspects of a story that we need to cover to make sure to keep it interesting to make sure to keep the story flowing and also to come up with this wacky solution to our problem so it's a really fun way that we came up and it was like once a week we did sessions but we also have a live chat on discord the discord chat you can enter input anytime so if you can't join one of our live sessions everything's updated in the chat so just feel free to add ideas there so it's really cool because even if you can't make a session you're updated about what was talked about and you can still contribute so now we have our whole story together it is 10 pages and i'm starting to pencil it now so now i'm going to be talking about how you pencil a story because we talked about creating a story which was the first part now we're going to be talking about how to pencil it how to make sure the panels work so that is the next step and then of course i'm going to ink it and the dialogue so we're going to work through all the steps till we have the final comic to present to everyone so badass i love it are you so are you these are recorded sessions um, they are not recorded because Discord does not record. And right, right now we're right. forming everything on Discord. But during the sessions, I read, I type out exactly what we're talking about. Oh, I talk about ideas. I always do a summary after every session. So every single thing that was discussed is in the summary. And I also post all the images we created. So if we worked on layouts, the layouts are posted. If we updated the layouts, the layouts are updated. So every single thing is always updated with all the newest information. So everyone has everything they need for the story. And if they missed it, they could just catch up. And then I update again every single time. Oh, that's awesome. How, so how, I you, you mentioned at the beginning how, you know, and, and you and I, I think, kind of hit the same chord where where there, there is something magical about about bringing a community in and working together on something. Um, how, um, like, what in your, for you, like, what have you felt? I mean, so for those, for people out there that don't know, um, comics is, um, I think, one of the best mediums on the face of the earth. Right. Agreed. It's it is it is magic and, and it is also one of the most it's a, it's magic in the output and, and what you are able to create because there is no limit. Um, likewise, it is also, in my opinion, one of the most difficult things to do because of the sheer amount of skills you need to have in order to do it at a professional level. Right. It is it is incredibly hard. So I. And on top of that, normally in the normal comic um, process as a freelancer or consultant or, or what have you, um, you're basically working in solitary, right? You're working by yourself alone, head down, headphones on maybe, like just drawing and pretty much doing it all day, every day, because that's just what it takes. Yep. So, so now you're kind of switching that where it's, it's you're opening up this door and having like a lot of people kind of stare at you basically, like even virtually, right? Like, like you're getting all these people involved in the process. Is that, how have you seen the differences and was it a struggle to kind of bridge that gap or, or what have you seen as like the, the pros, the cons? Yeah, uh, for me, it's a little different because I also do comic conventions very differently than most artists. What I'm most known for, which, sorry if my voice is a little jacked up, I just finished a three-day convention, so the day afterwards, my voice is a little off, so I'm it's sorry if I'm little that's why i'm drinking a lot tonight with the water um but i do live sketching at conventions so you come up to me and you say i want you to draw batman and i actually draw batman right there in front of you it takes me about 10 15 minutes it's a watercolor drawing and i do them live every single show and that's what i'm most known for so mm. i get a lot of these requests and i really like doing them because if i 
just go to a show and take commissions where my head's down, I'm just working. I'm not doing anything different than I'm doing at home. Then why not stay right. at home? It makes no point. sense to me. I go to conventions because I want to meet and interact with the fans, especially like the kids, like to them painting live and them seeing it come to life. is like magic. magic yeah. So I love it. And I love the fan interaction. And that's what I took to Digidorables is now we have that digital fan interaction, but we are in this chat together. You're watching me do it. You're asking me questions while I do it each week. Unfortunately, sometimes I do have to push it back a day or two because I still travel for conventions since I'm still a working artist. But um, yeah, we basically hang out. You watch me do it and you ask questions. And if we can't hang out, you ask questions in the chat. But I want to make it as interactive as possible because a lot of people have questions. They've never seen a comic come to life. So if I could show a little glimpse of how it's done, I think that's really cool. And for me, just that interaction and being able to answer all the questions and share my knowledge. I have 17 years worth of knowledge to share and I love educating. So for me, it's just a lot of fun. It wasn't much adjusting, but the biggest trial and error was just learning like the NFT community. That's still the biggest like trial and error for me is launching a project as a creator who never launched a project. So a lot of that is the biggest trial and errors because I'm doing this for the first time. So I don't know what I'm in for and I'm just trying my best along this along the way. And I'm trying to make it as enjoyable for myself and for the community as possible, because this has to be fun. You have to enjoy what you're doing. And so far, I love it. What's what's been the biggest challenge with the like with kind of understanding the new NFT community? how many new hats i have to wear <laughs> like 10 percent of what i do is drawing and i'm like and i'm an artist and i have artist brain so i'm like i'm going to do nfts because i want to share my love of drawing and creating and i'm like when do i draw and create again like just, <laughs> i want to learn how to like market and do all this stuff and i'm not like agnes has a name because agnes works and put out her name but now marketing a project i have no idea how to market a project which i didn't realize how much you need to market a project and that's like the biggest learning curve for me is all these new hats i never thought i would be wearing and the only way i've learned is launching the project and the biggest thing for me is that i came into nfts to do things differently if i wanted to launch a project the same way i would have just stayed in comics and just did the same thing yeah. and the biggest thing for me which was one of the biggest obstacles is that i decided to launch during a bear market <laughs> why not but the biggest th thing me and my team sat on is do we hold off or do we launch and we launched knowing that it was most likely not going to sell out because one i'm not a marketer but i'm learning but two what was more important to me holding off a project and just working up and marketing to make it a hype project or do I launch and just start creating? And I told him, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen if we don't sell out. And like, I don't know how important it is to people. People say it's not important, but clearly it's very important. But I won't be able to make comics if we don't launch this project. So I want to do this differently. I want to launch this project with whatever community wants to come on board. And then we'll grow it after that. Because once they see we're creating the comics, then they'll become interested. And I didn't like this idea of just sitting back and just saying, hey guys, this is my project, it's gonna launch. And for me, I couldn't do that. I'm like, I am a creator, I need to create. So I went, let's just launch this, let's get it out there and let's figure it out as we go. So that was like, and still is the biggest learning experience, but either way, I'm super happy because I'm making comics with everyone. So I'm like, I'm making my comics. So I, I'm, I'm doing good right now, <laughs> whether no, or not. I sell out i'm making comics you're doing great i, I you know it, it's really interesting you have a that's a really interesting point and and i think this is something that every creator project owner kind of kind of goes through is like well um it's a bear market or the timing is not right should i hold off or wait um uh i i think it's a i think any time is a good time um like full disclosure we're launching a product in a, in a couple of weeks here like and and it's it's the same thing it's like oh it's a bear market but so what right and i i personally and this is just my own personal opinion but having done this just created products for 26 years like like i think hindsight being 2020 like down the road when you, we get to a bear market again and everyone's looking back i think the most trustworthy projects are the ones that launch in a bear market and make it work because it's very easy to make something work when you've sold out and made X number of millions of dollars or whatever, right? And in fact, you could also make a case that it's actually hard as well because 
the minute you get it into a strip. When you make $10 million and you're getting hit by people in a stressful situation, it's very easy to say, fuck it, <laughs> right? Because you, you've made 10 million and you're, and if you're, especially with some of these teams that are anonymous, it's like, well, why am I here? Right. I, I could be on a beach in Cabo with my money and, and I could just, I could just leave and no one would even know. It's a completely different paradigm when you launch in a bear market and your name is out there and you're doxxed, it's you, right? Like there is no reason for you to rug, right? It's the yeah. safest project you could possibly do because your face is out there. They know you're, it's a bear market. Everyone knows it's a bear market. And you're, 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 if, if you are able to, to launch and produce, regardless of financial outcome, right? And this is something comic, I think comic creators and animators do very well because we, we don't traditionally make a lot of money when, while we're in that freelance zone, right? But if you're able to launch and build and, and deliver in a bear market, um, when there isn't a lot of cash, then I think that is the most trustworthy project you could possibly be because as it goes up, you've already proven that you're not going anywhere. Hey, times are tough. We launched in the toughest time and we made it and we did it and we delivered. Why would, wouldn't we continue to do that when, when times get better and everything is hunky dory? You know what I mean? No, I 100% agree on that too. And it's like, honestly, as a comic creator and someone working in the industry, it's like, you just always make sure you have gigs lined up. Like I, with DigiDorables, I'm still a working artist and I still keep my comic gigs, but one day I want to cut them back because I want to focus, to me, DigiDorables is a community-based creator-owned project in my eyes. I'm creating something that I've always wanted to create and I'm doing things differently, which is I've always been one to experiment and to try new things of doing things. Cause I'm like, why not experiment? Why not try new things? So DigiDorables for me, I just was hoping enough that I could cut back on some of the work so I can focus more on DigiDorables. And that was all I was hoping. And I'm like, oh great, so it did happen. So now I could designate time to work on the creator own project while keeping the mainstream projects, while keeping the conventions. Cause honestly, what people don't realize you do need a balance of everything because I need the published work to get the comic conventions. I need the comic conventions to get my word out on my name and my project. And right. then DigiDorables is the project which I want to continue building and growing. And I even created an LLC launching this because I'm like, I want to do this right from the start because to me, DigiDorables is a brand. DigiDorables is something that I want to continue growing. And this is only the first chapter. We purposely called it DigiDorables Chapter One, Llamaville, because this is the first chapter of something I want to keep building and building and building. And I'm really excited to see where it can go and what we can do with it because this is my baby. It's my, it's my little baby. And now, now I gotta let it grow and get all <laughs> cool. So so the first the first sort of arc of work is um correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like an anthology, right? Where you're doing Pretty short stories, so. maybe doing a collected yeah. a collected edition. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Where where after, like, how do you see, what's the next step? Like, how do you Ooh. see this kind of growing? Like, So this is where my brain goes on all sorts of tangents. But what I think is really cool because NFTs, new technology, there are no limits on what you could do. What I want to do is each chapter of DigiDorables, I want to tell stories a different way and experiment with that. So I'm not going to reveal what chapter two is and how we're going to tell that story, but I already kind of told the team, I'm like, hey, for chapter two, why don't we try this way of telling stories? So I really want it to be very experimental, but in the most fun way with the community involvement. But each time we tell a new chapter, they'll be some new characters being added, but they'll also the way we tell the story is going to change to keep it very interesting. And this way, I think it'll be a really good way to test different ways of telling stories. We'll know what works, what doesn't, what people like and what people don't. But if you don't try and experiment and really put yourself out there, you just won't know. And I've always been very gung ho at just trying things differently. Like I'm one of the only like all age artists that jumped across all the different properties. It's because I decided to do things differently. That's right. And not only have one style, but learn how to adapt to other styles. And not a lot of artists can do that and tell a good story. So I've always been kind of like, well, things are being done like this. How can I uh, flip that around a little? So I I'm super excited. That's awesome. Like really quick, we're going to jump into chat. 
and uh, see who's here. Just kind of do a, a chat check. Uh, so uh, we've got uh, Willie D. What's up? Welcome, Willie. How you doing? He says, what's up, fam? Uh, mm -hmm. Alex Jewell says, let's go. What's up, Alex? How are you? Uh, Master says, evening, Alpha. Let's go, fam. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jordan. How are you? Welcome. Good to see you again. Uh, nice guy is here. Hey, nice guy. Good to see you again as well. Hi, everyone. Uh, Bad Kitty, evening. Good evening. Good evening, Bad Kitty. Welcome back. I uh, hope your trip was wonderful. I hear it was. Uh, Hype, how are you doing, Hype? Uh, uh, welcome as well. Hype is an incredible talent as well. Oh, uh, cool. She's, she's going to be coming out with a project soon, I believe. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, uh, Cerebral619, how are you? Welcome. Lots of hearts for Miss Agnes. How are you? Uh, Joe, hi, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, Llama fam. What's up? Uh, Jordan says, love these storytelling sessions. They're always so fun. Um, that is, that's awesome. I'm actually, I'm going to dive into that in just a second. Cause I'm really curious about, about the storytelling sessions. Uh, Joe says, yeah, I can't wait to see the finished product. Oh, same uh, here. Cerebral says watching this Agnes draw is amazing. Aww. Uh, and I have to say, I checked out some of your YouTube videos and it is pretty fun. Uh, ah, cool. You're very, you, you have a really positive energy and, uh, and ah, uh, the, the, of course the work is phenomenal. So it's really great. Yeah. Um, fun. Jordan says Agnes putting on the work. Yeah. Those YouTube videos were all launched during COVID when I couldn't do comic conventions anymore. And I wanted to have that community interaction. So I launched our time with Aggie as my way of interacting with the community and teaching art that way. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I kind of when you were when you were speaking earlier, I kind of was was mentally referencing those videos. Is that kind of what you do during your cons where you're kind of explaining kind of how you're drawing as you're doing it? Well, uh, if people ask, yes. So, for example, uh, I was just at Washington, D.C., and two brothers separately came up to me, and one of them wanted to get into animation and comic books. So as I was drawing the character for him, he was asking me questions. He's like, well, how would you recommend setting up a portfolio? How are you doing your layouts? And I talked about, like, I'm like, well, I set up characters this way. When you're t when you're setting up a portfolio, you need to have your anatomy. So I told him how even I draw cute characters, I understand anatomy. I understand perspective. So it's really cool because the the whole time I was drawing his piece, he was asking me a lot of questions and it so happened it was later in the day. So it was a little slower. So I had a little more time just to spend with him answering these questions. So I like going to some of the slower shows and sometimes I like the bigger shows. I like a combination of both because the smaller ones, I get more one-on-one -on -one time, which doesn't feel as rushed. The bigger shows are definitely rushed, but I get a lot of really amazing requests and it's like organized chaos. But, and then like, and then the next day his brother came and it felt like almost like deja vu because they're twins but they're slightly different oh wow but, so i was just like your, your brother came he's like yeah 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 i'm like you guys are twins he's like yeah because i'm like oh my god even like somewhat talk like he talked like him but just slightly different so it was really cool because his questions were slightly different but asked the same way which was tripping my brain out oh. <laughs> it was so cool and they were so sweet so this show i had a lot of um oh you know what was crazy too which i didn't realize so when COVID happened um i didn't know that um what well, i was just at um awesome con awesome con actually reposted my art time with aggie so I didn't realize a lot of people who followed our time with Aggie actually were from Washington, D.C. So this oh. weekend, the amount of parents and their kids who came and started talking to me about how they're so grateful that I did our time with Aggie. I was like, wow, everyone from here watch our time with Aggie. And I was like, one, I was flattered and like going a little like, oh, my God, I didn't realize so many people watched it. But at the same time, like, did everyone from Washington see watch it? And finally, one of the nice ladies, she's like, oh, no, um, uh, Washington, D.C. Awesome Con reposted it. So I bet you got a lot of followers that way. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh but it's so cool. Like the Comic Cons supporting the artists during that time and really helping connect the people looking for content with the comic creators that were offering the content. So I thought that was beautiful. So it really shows that it's such a great comic community that the comic conventions the creators the companies were all working together during a time of insanity and still making it so that everyone was finding a way to connect and i i really mm -hmm. love that what's uh what's your one of your favorite conventions mm. i choked on my water <laughs> <laughs> 
The Beast is my favorite comic convention. What's and The Beast? I don't know if I've heard of this. No, it's San Diego Comic Con. Okay. I was okay. Well, San that Diego Beast. San Diego Comic Con yeah. is a beast. It is it a is beast. Overwhelming. It is crazy. But I do it every year. Mm. And do you want to know why it's one of my favorites other than the complete insanity? Sure. The most of my regulars, actually that in New York, I would say New York is my second place, even though I picked the two biggest one is because they're the ones I've been doing the longest. I've been doing San Diego other than the COVID, maybe about 10 years plus. Same thing with New York, like a long time, but I've seen families and their kids have slowly grown up before <laughs> my eyes, right. which is trippy now as you get older, because you're like, oh my God, all these kids like one of the kids wasn't even born and i remember like him being his mama's belly and i remember the little kids being toddlers now there's like little kids and the kids like running around and talking and i'm like oh my god it's so surreal but it feels like i have like this extended family that i see every single year and that's one of my favorite things and i look forward to it every year i'm like am i gonna see my regulars am i gonna see my regulars knowing that their kids are growing up right before my eyes and each year other than covid we reconnect so the crazy thing is it's that with covid we had the two-year gap and san diego had like a smaller show and I saw two of the families and I was like, and it felt weird because all of a sudden the kids jumped in age because of the two year mark. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, wait. You grew too much. You're too tall now. Right. But it's, it's one of my favorite and most beautiful things. And that's why I love those shows so much, not only because of insanity, but because of the people I see and just, I love seeing the kids grow up. They're like, it's like all this giant extended family I have. Oh, that's so awesome. We, uh, I've done, I mean, San Diego has been fantastic and I've done New York. Uh, every single year since it started, except for last year. Last year was the very first New York Comic Con that I missed, um, but uh, it won't happen again. But uh, yeah, I, same thing. Like it's it's um, uh, I don't know, man. There's something really special about conventions. You know, I mean, you get the older you get, you know, you, you end up knowing more people, and especially if once you have tables and like every year you kind of sitting next to new people, but then you see the same people, especially as you go across the country, and you know, you're 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 you know, you kind of it's it, it becomes a little bit of a traveling caravan which i, I kind of like you know yeah i love it i love it and like and even like the people i see like my peers like there are they're my extended family too and i look forward to seeing my convention family like there's definitely regular people i try to hang out almost every show and a couple i try to catch up with but it's like every show my extended family is just waiting to catch up and i love that so much so yay conventions you, are back do you i know i know i did so do you think do you think there's a way and this is something that that we talk about um over here with with our our project we have a comic and animation project called adult fantasy and and one of the things that we we talk about is you know a lot of the people who are who come to our project from web3 um and this is just in nfts in general like a lot of people this is the first thing they've ever collected they're brand new collectors like we kind of, I think, make a mistake thinking that they collected baseball cards or comics or art uh, because that's the kind of stuff that's being gravitated towards, right? The the digital versions of those things. But for a lot of people, this is the first thing they've ever collected. Like this is the bug that got them, right? Just like it was like comics with us. And, and do you think that there is a bridge where, you know, people start collecting? And I guess there is, but but I'm, I want to kind of get your perspective too. Like, like... Is there a bridge or how do we create that bridge from from the Web3 world um, and, and kind of move people in to more of the traditional comic conventions? Or is that not a thing? Is it going to be more of like an NFT NYC, you know, strictly Web3 based thing? Do you think there's a bridge between the two? I definitely think there's a bridge between the two. And, and part of that bridge is trying to connect comic conventions to the nft shows for example but as a creator one thing i'm really active is i make sure my feed is a balance of nfts comic work and conventions and the reason i try to keep it balanced is because i want the nft people to see the comic work i do and i want them to see the conventions i attend because i want them to get curious i want them to ask questions because for me it's all about introducing sharing knowledge and that works vice versa is i want comic people to come to the nft side of things but i also right. want nft people to come to the comic side of things so that's why i'm very proactive and at every comic convention i post images from when i'm there my table um now 
now that I'm trying to get back to some video editing, I've been trying to put together like video clips of like highlights mm -hmm. of cosplay and stuff because I want to make the NFT community curious and showing them what happens at these shows and how different it is from anything NFT related. I'm hoping that they'll be like, oh, maybe I want to check out a comic convention now. It's like, oh, I bought these type of comics, but I never thought about like looking at actual comic book comics. So one thing I'm very, very proactive across all my social medias is trying to show a little bit of everything I do to mm. show that you can have a balance. It doesn't have to be one or the other because a lot of time NFT creators are like, I'm strictly an NFT creator. I'm like, right. no, you're a creator. Mm -hmm. NFTs are the tool you're using to create. And that's the way I viewed it always is NFTs are a tool to create something beautiful, something new, something different. But I'm a creator and I want to share that content. So I'm hoping that if I keep showing a bit of everything in a very organized, chaotic balance, because my brain's a little chaotic, that I'm hoping that both sides will become curious about each other. That's my goal, at least. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. One of the you, you just something popped in my head while we were you're just saying that and and uh, you know one of the things that really got me fascinated by the NFT space um, beyond like royalties and technology and just amazing creative just just the burgeoning new medium of this um, was when I started looking at the early NFT projects especially like early last year and and this trend has continued but I would I mean what 75 percent, maybe more uh like every single nft project on their roadmap has a comic book uh as one of their deliverables and i saw this and coming from comics like look you know there are arguments whether the comic industry is good or bad or or you know blossoming or or collapsing this these these arguments have been going on for as long as i've been in comics i've been in a long ass time so you know but but I had never seen so much brand new creativity, right? Like certainly in comics, you have companies like Image and, and there are independent ways for creators, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, there are plenty of ways for a creator to create their own independent comic book and distribute it and get it out there. But it almost seemed to at least be equaled or dwarfed by the amount of NFT projects that were also like at least claiming to offer that as well, or, or at least having the desire to create. And I have yet to figure out exactly why that is. The, the optimist in me is that I'm like, well, they just recognize how badass comics are, right? The cynic in me says, well, they think it's easy to do. They, they think it's just super, you know, they, they've never done it before or most people have never done it before. They think it's super easy. We'll get an artist, we'll do a comic and it'll be an easy deliverable. So I, I have this internal battle personally of like, like I know why I do it. And I, so I don't, I'm not really worried about it, but, but I am curious as to like, at least in your eyes, like what, what do you, why, why do you think so many projects, at least initially say, Hey, comics is a deliverable. Like let's, no. Honestly, I think it's a combination of the two because comics are pretty awesome. And I think also a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is to do a good comic. Anyone yeah. can make a comic. That That's not stopping. But to make a good comic with good art and good story, that's where... Mm -hmm you really need to start getting comic creators behind it. Like Josh Blaylock, the reason he's attached to punks and stuff like that is because he's a great storyteller. He understands. Right. And that's what's very smart is if a comic project in NFTs wants to be successful, they have to start tapping the comic talent to understand how to make a good story. Because I've seen some NFT projects with really cool art, but then does the story make sense? And people don't realize that storytelling is a craft. It is extremely important to to understand a good story from a bad story but everyone wants to make a comic just like when you go to any artist alley you have an artist alley filled with amateur artists people getting established in the pros exact same thing with nfts you're going to have that very very different levels of people and it's like what will make a comic really good is making sure that you don't just put out cool art but you also put out a really strong story and that's how you'll do more than just one comic if you want to do one and done little comic and you don't care about the content well I can't agree with that. I'm sorry, because I'm all about telling a good, good story. And that's what I really want to see. And I really want to see NFTs 
tapping more creators that understand the mediums because now they can do that now that everyone's starting to understand the technology more people are going to become curious more people want to get involved so i think it's really smart for if you're a gaming tap the gaming concept people they have a such a strong understanding you want to create comics tap the comic talent at least bring someone on board at least as a consultant so you know what you're doing and you'll go beyond amateur comic or just pretty art to something that's really really good and you could really build on that comic and create more of it and people will want to read it i i think that that needs to be uh expanded upon and blasted across the metaverse because i i could not agree more like People do not understand. Um, I mean, comics are such a, a niche thing still to this day. And uh, um, the amount of skill, and we talked about this a little bit, but the amount of skill needed to actually craft a good comic between knowing, being able to, to draw and know anatomy and backgrounds and perspective and pacing and storytelling and screenwriting and inking and coloring and and pre-production and lettering and fonts and anti-aliasing like the amount of the breadth of stuff that you need to understand uh, to do it by yourself let alone get a team to do it because even even if you say well i don't need to do that I, i'll just get a team you still have to understand the process otherwise how do you know who you're going to hire how, how do you know they can do a good job you have no clue right and and i'll i'll, I'll the, this was summarized to me in my own personal experience. Um, and this is just my own opinion. Uh, you know, it's not a, it's, I'll just say it like this, it's my own opinion. Um, when I was at Marvel, it was during sort of the, the really big launch, like the, the Marvel MCU was taking off, right? The, the movies, Iron Man was out, Iron Man 2 was out, like it was already taking off. And um, the reason in my opinion, that it was taking off and that whole big arc did so well is that for a majority of it, the the Hollywood writer's room was including the Marvel writer's retreat. They were including all of the Marvel writers and they were treating it like a, a Marvel retreat. And um, for those that don't know, a Marvel retreat or any corporate creative retreat is you basically take all the artists or in this case you take all the writers and you fly them somewhere you put them in a room you have a bunch of bagels coffee some alcohol and you come up with some really cool stories and you have all of these different creative people working on their different books and not only are they coming up with their own stories but this is how you get these great crossover stories and oh well i want the hulk to do this or oh cool if the hulk does that then when you, that issue comes out in july we'll have spider-man come in from my book and we'll do this and so there's a way for all these big storylines, this, this big giant thread of rope of a story just comes together. It's really incredible. Um, and the MCU was using that because they didn't, they had screenwriters, but they didn't really have any insight into the Marvel universe. Um, as the movies got more successful, right? And, and this happened after I was already gone, but um, it was already starting when I left because I was hearing plenty about it. Um, all of a sudden, the executives, the Hollywood people started kind of cutting the Marvel writers out to the point where very soon the Marvel writers, they, they were not taking the advice of the, of the writers anymore. So the people that had a, had a direct mainline tapping in, not just to the Marvel universe, but to the fandom and what the fans liked, because of course, you know this, you're like on the front lines. Like there's something very safe. I daydream about being like a, you know, like a screenwriter and you just write something. And if anyone hates your movie, you're like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Like you're getting paid and oh, it sucked, but maybe the next one, like you write something that's bad or you draw something that the fans don't like, you're like, they're coming to your booth, <laughs> right? Like you are going to hear about it. And so, and, and so they, they cut that, that off. And those, the reason, in my opinion, that those early movies, that first entire arc was so good was because you had the people who knew exactly what the fans wanted involved from day one. And the minute that was cut, in my opinion, you kind of saw the slow little decline a little bit, right? Um, again, my opinion. Does that, does that make sense? It makes total, total sense. And I think it's so smart of tapping the talent that knows what they're doing, especially if you're building it for ideas and to make sure the consistency and everything works. Yeah. 100%. So <laughs> 
so that's another question I have. You like so you're you're doing something that um, I love, which is you're combining education and creativity, and and in a light, fun way, you're bringing people into the creation process. Like I I believe, and I wholeheartedly believe that this this is what is going to create new hardcore fans of the medium of comics period right because you're you're really bringing them into the process um so the other question that poses is there are so many people that want to be involved um yet there's always this this kind of fear that some people have like the like especially if you've never written a, you, you know if you have someone in the community they've never written a story before they've never drawn anything before but they've always had the desire to to do that maybe they're everyone i i again personal belief i believe that everybody is creative period um everybody has a creative spark within them and and if you really look at people's lives you will find how that creativity comes out and it just doesn't necessarily have to be visual it doesn't have to be music or dance it can be in a million different ways but creativity always comes through right it could be just the way you raise your family like it, there's a million different ways this can happen so how how do you sort of help or or bring in people who may want to participate but don't feel like they can contribute or or don't know how to contribute have you have you uh, thought about that is that or is that something you not worry about like how, how do you address this no, like, I try to make it as open as possible. And I, I'm, I make it very clear, if you want to contribute, please contribute. If you don't just hang out, chat, listen. And part of it is I explain everything. And that way, even if you don't want to contribute, at least you know where my brain's at, and you know what I'm thinking. So at least you have an understanding of it, whether or not you want to take part, that's totally up to you. But I try to do it at a level that I'm assuming no one knows how I create comics. And if they do, then they're getting an overview of certain things. But I'm assuming every single person coming into my sessions has never worked on a comic before, has never wanted to write a comic, has never seen how it's put together. So what I want to do is I want to provide the knowledge that at least you know how it's created, you know what's involved, you know what I went through to create it, you know what education I have and what I think about. So if you want to do it in your own time or you want to do the research, at least you have the ability to know what to Google, to know how to deep dive further, to know what questions to ask if you want to ask. But I want to make it that I give a very good overview of everything, just in case this is something you're interested in, you can learn it. And if not, maybe you're just curious to see how it forms and coming in each step. And if you just want to see the final product, you could come in and see the final product. So I try to make it just very easy and not too overwhelming at any point. And if people have direct questions, I answer those direct questions as well. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, so it's really sort of, a, um, uh, I don't want to say a buffet, but that's the first word that popped into my it head. Really, it really, it's a buffet of creation from start to finish. And that's why I made sure that each week we cover a topic. And that's why each mm. week I don't go from layout to pencils right away because laying out a comic involves a lot of steps and I don't want to create that as overwhelming. So I made sure that each and every step we designate at least a week or two. So I thoroughly explain it we create it we understand it before moving to the next step and i thought that was very very important in creating is that to move on to the next step we've explained the current step as clearly as we can everything that's involved with it and then we move on to the next one yeah i love that i, I education is so important and i i really um I cannot imagine how there won't be at least somebody inspired in your group who's inspired by this to create their own own comics you know yep. their own their own you know you i know, know one person has gone back to writing which love it. made me really happy to hear that that they're inspired enough to want to go back to writing stories and that made me so happy I was like, 
you know, like like today, that's so wonderful. And and next thing you know, it's like they're all of a sudden they've discovered Scott McCloud and they're doing twenty four hour comics and yeah. <laughs> right? just... Oh, I mentioned Scott McCloud constantly. Almost anytime someone's like, I want to get into comics, I'm like, you are reading Scott McCloud. <laughs> the best book ever. The genius, absolutely it changes brilliant. Changes and the way your mind thinks about pacing. Like yeah. that book was life changing for me, and I read it like in one go because I was so fascinated. And then I sat back and I looked at my page and i saw it in such a different way and that's why understanding comics scott mcleod everyone if you want to get into comics you are reading that book it is the best it is it is a bible for create i think it's just a bible for creativity period like it's it's absolutely his his dissection of of uh how visual language is formed and created and parsed is just masterful like he just tapped into some kind of source <laughs> i don't know what it was but it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant yeah and um, the way he tells it is so clear and engaging it really makes you think i love that book it was yeah, I, I read it when i was like 1920 and it's been a part of my life ever since yeah me too i i read it on um, mine is all that's probably out of out of all of the 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 mint condition poly bagged comics that i own that one is torn up and dog-eared and <laughs> <laughs> the way it should be you know yes exactly. so so what if if someone if someone was just getting into comics um i mean i mean you're you're introducing a lot of new people to the media right um and i think it's really it's really cool that everybody is everybody in the space is a beginner right you're either a beginner there there are no veteran nft creators really um and and likewise on the collector side everybody is learning you're either learning about nfts you're learning about web3 or you're learning through the project creator and, and in this case comics like what what other like comics do you recommend people um like do you go full like watchmen or do you like like I, I actually struggle reading watchmen i it's it's the pain i i know it's an amazing book but I, every time I try to read Watchmen, I, I actually struggle with it to begin with. Like I've read it once, but I definitely, it took me a couple of tries to get into it. That's so nice. I don't tend to recommend Watchmen for anyone who's just new to comics, <laughs> but it is a very, very good story. It's just the pacing is a little difficult for me and my brain to follow, especially the first few pages. Then once I get into it, it becomes a lot easier to read, but no, taboo, sorry. <laughs> Well, for me, when I recommend comics, I usually recommend like what type of stories do you like? Do you like horror genre? Well, then mm. I can recommend some horror. Do you want like something fun and whimsical? I could recommend something fun and whimsical. So for me, when it comes to recommending comics to people, I rather know what they like first to know what I could recommend off the top of my head. So Saga is one I recommend either way. Saga is awesome. Oh yes. my gosh. I cry so hard during that. Oh my God. All the fields, all of them. <laughs> Saga is a great book. That is an absolute. That's a. I think that's a win recommendation for sure. Yeah, that one. As long as you're over a certain age, I will recommend that book always. <laughs> it's just, it's masterful. It's easy to follow. It is so emotional. It tugs on all your heartstrings. Wow. So, cool. so how how can people get a hold of you if if they want if they want to jump in if they want to 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 purchase uh, Digidorables. They just go to uh, comicboxels.com. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go to comicboxels where they could learn all about Digidorables, but not just Digidorables. They can learn about all our amazing projects that we have lined up and comicboxels themselves because we want to be the platform for all things comic book and we really want to do it in different ways. So I highly recommend not just checking out Digidarbles, but check out Digidarbles, but check out everything <laughs> our site has because there's so much really cool things that people and the really cool thing about Comic is if you really don't like one thing, there'll be something there for you to like. And I think that's what makes it so special is that it will have something for everyone. And some people will like them all, which makes it even cooler. But yeah, comicboxels.com is definitely the place to go. Awesome. And yeah, I think I think what you guys are creating over there is is absolutely fantastic. I love it. Um, let's see, we've got uh uh nice guy says here to support our llama mama. 
Joe Sharp says new characters. You were talking about new characters. Oh, I can't uh, say anymore. I'm sorry. We're still in chapter one, and chapter <laughs> one still has a lot of content to deliver. Massive says, wonderfully said, Todd. Thank you. Uh, he says, creativity is expressed in many forms in many ways. Very true. Uh, Ooh, nice guy bone. says, yeah. Jeff Smith's bone is good. Oh, yeah. I have, oh, I've got my. So good. Look at this bad boy right here. That right? is definitely a recommendation to everyone. Bone is the best. Bone is fantastic. I highly recommend Bone as well. Um, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Josh is gay. <laughs> What's up, Josh? How are you? Josh! Speaking <laughs> of the Josh. That's right. More comics. 100% more comics. 100% more comics always. Absolutely. So with that said, please, everybody, go check out comicboxels.com. Go check out Digidorables. Um, uh, jump in. The art is fantastic. The project is wonderful. Um, you get to you get to take part in the actual creation of it. You're going to learn how to create a comic, which I think is amazing. Um, uh, thank you so much, Agnes. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a blast. I love it. Thank you. Absolutely. So everybody, uh, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Uh, with that said, uh, go check out again. Go check out comicboxes.com. Digidorables, it's the project to check out. Get it, buy it, support it. We got to support our, our, our good creators and our, our fantastic artists. Uh, and with that, uh, we love you all. Uh, as you guys know, after uh, our evening alphas, we always hop into our Discord. We always play some after-party games. So everyone is welcome to play some games. Uh, we're going to have a, a little party. Um, but uh, with that said, uh, you know, we'll see you next time. So thank you, everybody. Take